0: Right, everybody we're back for another episode of the nudge cast and today we get to talk about i don't know possibly one of the original topics of the nudge cast that was most talked about in the very beginning Um, but we're gonna learn a lot about it in deep dive with one of our friends sarah phillip who's a founder of abundalicious and a newly founder of blueberry connect so looking forward to diving in and learning a little bit more about the remote coaching business and the details of it with you today sarah but I guess just to get started so everybody knows who we're talking to today, can you give us a little background and just tell us your story a little bit?
1: Sure. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on the NudgeCast. Um, So I, yeah, I started a oh about eight years ago, I want to say. And I started, I think like a lot of health coaches, I started it because of my own journey with health. And my journey was... A mess. Um, I was struggling with panic attacks and digestive issues and all these things that someone in their 20s probably shouldn't be dealing with. Um, so I, I started seeing acupuncturists and, and all these um, other uh, practitioners, and I started feeling a lot better and wanted to offer the same, you know, kind of guidance for folks. And so I, yeah, I started up on Delicious. And then and then I found Nudge and that made things very different um, for Abundalicious, thankfully. So I'm excited to talk about the role that Nudge played. And um, yeah, so here I am about eight years later, ready to start a new kind of a uh, branch of Abundalicious.
0: That's so exciting. So, okay, I, I've, I'm taking the bait on this since I'm <laughs> resident marketer at Nudge. It would be insane not to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. How did Nudge change your story then, how, your trajectory, and what you're planning to do?
1: Nudge really was when I started learning the difference between remote coaching and phone sessions or regular coaching. So at this point, I was you. I was mostly meeting folks face to face, but I I was googling. Like I found Nudge because I was just googling like how to track clients or like how you know. <laughs> Yeah. Like, just to keep everything organized, because nothing is less professional than losing track of your clients, um, you know, internally and in communication. So, I was googling like how to track clients and all that stuff, and um, the nudge popped up, and this technology that I didn't even really think existed—I hadn't even thought of it, but you know, let alone considering if it existed or not—was there, and it, it made all the difference, um, with how I connect with my clients. Like it made all the difference. Um, I was no longer like texting, emailing. It wasn't all over the place. It was in this one spot. Um, and it just, I kept, it kept me more organized and it kept them more organized too, which was a nice bonus. So I could go on, I could go on for days about nudge.
2: I can see Phil sliding you t- like a $10 bill virtually right now <laughs> for that. <laughs> 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 and I will say that real quick, because I I think this probably is is kind of one thing that just for level setting, I would say, Sarah, you're you're I think you were early on in this remote coaching space. And I think it's something that you and I have had some conversations with previously. And I'd actually like it'd be great for you to kind of dissect this a little bit, but that idea that remote coaching or online coaching is different than traditional coaching, I think it's something that's usually overlooked by a lot of coaches, and I don't think they sometimes realize how different it can be and what it means for your process, and that there is a little bit of a learning curve in in terms of transition, but do you want to touch on that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I got into remote coaching pretty much just because I dislike leaving the house if I don't need to. Like, it was really kind of (laughs) a selfish thing. It wasn't because I thought, oh, this is going to really benefit my clients, whatever. It was was very selfish, Um, but I kept getting you know, like affirmations that this was the right thing to do. I mean, just down to saving overhead, not having to rent a space. Um, And then, of course, now we all know, you know, with the pandemic, that that option um, is pretty, pretty, pretty nice. So what what I found to be the biggest difference is that when I was not using Nudge um, or not using it as often, I would get on the phone with clients or still, meet, you know, I still use it with my face-to-face people. So I would, I would get in a space with a client in, in real time and he or she would go through what they remembered of their week, which is very far from what actually happened.
2: <laughs> Perception <things>. versus reality. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: So they're, you know, they're working out every day. They're eating all vegetables, all this stuff and not reaching their goals. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, and I liken it to finances a lot. So if someone's hiring me to be their financial advisor, the first thing I'm going to go through with that person is what's coming in, what's going out. And unless we have clarity on what that is, we're not going to, to make progress with our Mm -hmm. goals at all. And so nudge, you know, really helped me, you know, get clarity with folks. And, and so, you know, to get back to your question, okay, what, what's the difference between remote coaching and other kinds of coaching is we're really filling in the space in between the calls. The calls are great. The calls are essential, right? Because the calls or the meetings allow us to connect because at the end of the day, you know, this person's working with me, not with another coach. And and so I need to show up and, and we need to discuss things in real time. But So much of their decision-making happens when we're not on the phone. So much of the all or nothing thought traps or the perfectionism or the things that really hold clients back more than not knowing how to cook or not liking vegetables, like all of that we can work with. But what really holds clients back um, is that all or nothing perfectionism kind of trap. And that's where remote coaching is able to assist where just session to session cannot.
0: So that I think is a really, really clean. I mean, what's great about it is I know when we were kind of getting started down the road of building out the coaching platform, it was that, what you described there, that kind of accountability gap was one of the first things we were concerned about and wanted to address. It was the really the specific thing that the first person that ever reached out to us about this issue was pointing out in their business that they had all this stuff going on in between sessions and they had no clarity, clarity on it and no way to, to fill in the gaps. So I'm glad to hear we at least uh, filled that need for, for somebody out there at this point. Um, yeah. But beyond the program model itself, um, there's a ton of, I think, implications for business model, right? And how you're going to set things up when you're transitioning to remote coaching. Can you talk about some of the differences in the way maybe you've structured your business model because of doing more remote coaching?
1: Yeah, so I've transitioned into more of a membership model. I used to do, um, well, in the very beginning, I would just do a la carte. Like, here's my hourly rate, pay for a session, whatever. Um, but then no accountability, right? People would show up when they felt like they were doing really well or when they were in crisis, and then we would, we would lose everything in the middle. So then I switched to packages. Um, packages allowed me to hold on to clients a little longer. I mean, what I do, I don't do, you know, quick fix it. I don't do like 30-day cleanses and then we're done. I do long-term um, really like behavior correction with mm. folks. Um, what, do you, what do you
2: mean so, long-term, so, by the way? Like how, How? what kind of duration?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, I have clients I've worked with for years. Um, wow. I think my longest client I've worked with for over five years. We don't talk every week, right? Right, but- right, right. She'll, you know, she'll let me know, hey, I need a little tune up or whatever. Um, But in that way, like I have, I have more clients who are psychotherapists than any other profession. And I thought that that was really fascinating. Uh And I thought, you know, why is that? And I think it's because they understand that this is all about mindset and that takes Uh time and they are willing to commit time to it, invest, you know, invest in it. So um, So yeah, I mean, I I have some clients that we talk, you know, for a couple sessions and then that's that, and they go their own way. And I, you know that I appreciate that I'm not going to be the right fit for everyone. That's okay. Right, right. People are allowed to leave me. That you know yep. they're not. You know, they don't sign like a blood bond with me. Um, But you know, so I did the I did the packages and that was fine. Um, But then there's still that interruption, like oh you're out of calls re-up, you know, and if you catch a client when, you know, rent is due or something else and there's, like, they have something that might hold them back from enthusiastically saying, okay, let's do it again. Let's keep going. Um, Then you, then you lose them. And it's, you know, it's not about, I'm not out there like, how can I hold on to you no matter what? Um, You know, I, I do want to work my way out of a job with each of my clients because, That means they're feeling better, Mm -hmm. but you have to, as a coach, allow them to give themselves the gift of time in order to feel better. And so if you set them up with a program that, that emphasizes, Hey, this isn't going to happen in a month. This isn't going to happen in a week. Um, It helps set them up for success because their expectations are not that, Oh, I'll just knock this out in Mm -hmm. three sessions.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a pretty, I I like the way that you kind of framed that as kind of an, there's no way you can feel dirty about keeping clients for longer if that's what they need and want to do. Um, And that also is a a nicer way probably of putting one of Mac's obsessions, which is, hey, you're coaching these people, why would you let them leave if they want to stay with you have a way at least that you can monetize Mm -hmm. that relationship going forward beyond a eight-week program or whatever you may be putting them through. Um, So I think we should have you around to frame the way for all of the, of the business related things that
2: Mac advises our clients to do. I am, I am a bit obsessed with recurring revenue. I think anyone knows me that uh, knows that's probably the case, but I'm not saying you have to have a person like in your premium programming all the time. There's, I think, ebb and flow. I think there's other ways you can continue to provide value at scale. We talked about maintenance plans on the happy hour last week. Um, Things that maybe are kind of when a person is, you're not on, I guess when you kind of have them on the back burner a little bit where you're still able to provide some value, have some kind of membership based model, but don't need to be doing weekly calls or something.
1: But yeah, it's, I think one thing that I see so often with other practitioners, especially in the holistic wellness space Is there's this feeling like it's it's bad to be making money at this or you know, that there should be altruism in doing this. And obviously, you know, I I, you wanna you wanna be fair with your pricing and all of that. And you don't want to just hook people even if you're not being of service to them, but you are being of service to people. And if you can't if you're not making money to keep your doors open, well then how are you? It is a business.
2: And I think that's yeah. It's it it is tricky because I know we work with a lot of coaches that you know we we during implementation touch on that sometimes that hey, we have to start thinking about kind of client acquisition and things like that. And it it sometimes does make it tricky. But I think at the end of the day, the key is making sure you're providing value. And it sounds like well, here here's something I would like to kind of pick your brain on because I think it comes up a lot. I think a misconception we sometimes see within businesses is the idea of a remote offering or online offering should be cheaper because it's not face to face. And I usually am like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're actually with a person more. I I would argue you could provide more value that way. What what are your thoughts when you're thinking about your, how's your pricing, I guess, evolved as you've kind of shifted towards more of an online or remote model?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I think that a remote coaching program should be higher in price um, because you are offering more. You absolutely are. So the way that my, my, programming and my pricing has evolved is um, it really is centered around accountability. So my highest price offering um, is also the highest touch point, the highest behind the scenes offering. So my, the value that that one holds is um, pretty much daily accountability. I'm checking in through nudge with these clients almost every single day, Mm -hmm. just a quick check in. How are you doing? How did dinner go last night? If it's a client that struggles Mm -hmm. with making time for lunch every day, Hey, have you had lunch yet? Um, so, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, in a maintenance program, I'll just set one of those like uh, scheduled messages. Hey, dr- stop, drop, and drink some water. Like, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like so,
1: that. You know, it's available at all at all price settings, depending on how personalized it is. So, if it's just an automatic scheduled message, okay, not as high value. Um, but but yeah, I my. My programming and pricing has, I've been leaning in completely to um, how often I'm communicating with the client because then, yeah, I think that that's so much more valuable than meeting with them once a month for an hour and then just listing off all these things that they probably aren't going to stick with anyway. Yeah, overwhelming the hell out of them for an hour and then see you next month.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and you know, to be fair, a lot of the stuff. So, uh, you know, we can really overcomplicate a lot of coaching programs in our minds and say, you know, I'm putting together all this incredible content, all this stuff, but in the end, everything, and I've heard you say this before, basically everything that a client could want could be found on the internet somewhere. It's really how you're packaging it and presenting it to them. Right. So it's really your expertise. That is the secret sauce in the end. Right.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's Yeah. And, and that's what I find a lot of clients are looking for. Like most of my clients our our initial consultation. I ask them, okay, what are your goals? And it's very rarely, oh, I want to learn about what, you know, what foods I should be eating for better blood sugar or for weight loss or whatever. It's almost never that it's, I know these foods work really well for me or these, you know, this workout routine works really well for me, whatever. I just can't stick with it. That's, that's 90% of the Mm. clients that they know what to do. It's just actually doing it.
0: Going into your program a little bit, you talked about, um, remote programs, arguably, arguably being more valuable. Obviously Mm -hmm. we would agree with that, but, um, I think it's, it's also potentially more than just the the fact that there are touch points in between Do you have, you know, it's something that you would advise people on in terms of trying to add additional revenue streams to your coaching business or anything like that, that particularly work with remote coaching.
1: Yeah. I mean, so at any given time, I guess I have a lot of, I have a lot of programs going on. Um, So (laughs) (laughs) I have my, which I love. It's, it just keeps it really exciting. So I have my one-on-one programs, right? So I've got about three different tiers, um, again, based on, on, you know, one-on-one accountability and touch points. Then I have um, like challenges. So 30 day challenges um, and I'll, I'll sign people on, you know, to the app for that, um, corporate wellness challenges. Basically, you know, if you, get, if you get really savvy with working with folks one-on-one remotely, you can then transfer that and translate that into all these other areas like corporate, um, like group coaching. And I find that that's a really pretty simple, um, a pretty simple maneuver if anything, you might need to be very conscious in stepping back and not trying to give one-on-one attention to every single person that signed up for your group coaching program at a 10th of your typical one-on-one rates. Um, But yeah, so um, I think group wellness, um, corporate wellness are two excellent opportunities for remote coaching. Um, But then, like I said, you have to just moderate how much of yourself you're putting into each of those people.
2: Yeah. So I I have a question about that because one thing that's kind of struck me as you've been going through all this is you're talking about kind of communication a lot, the role of communication. And I actually think this is the area that's generally overlooked by most coaches, or maybe misunderstood on the remote side. Is just tactically how you have to handle communication when you get into remote models, just different. And it seems like this is something that you've really figured out, kind of cracked the code on, and you've been able to, I'm assuming, be able to coach a lot more people, and you've kind of unlocked the efficiencies of of finding out different ways to do it. What have you seen as being some of the big learnings as you've gone from more of an in-person to more of a remote model with communication, kind of your style of communication? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously with in-person, you have the benefit of body language. Um, You know, you have the benefit of someone's undivided attention. A lot of the time when I'm on the phone with someone, like I, they're, they're doing something in the background, you know, and they're not even hiding it. Like that's, you know, and so I don't have their undivided attention and we might not be getting into certain areas um, like emotional eating or things that might be deeper for them. You know, we're, we're maybe not cracking into those layers as much uh, as with in-person. Um, but I think with remote coaching, you know, I still prefer it in terms of communication because you can, basically with remote coaching and communication, I try to provide for my clients this, like this friend, this friendship almost, like you ha- you're this friend to them, but you're going to tell them the things that a friend might not or, you know, so it's, it's this balance of like support, like absolute love and support coming at them, cheerleading them, you know, whatever, but then, okay, here are some areas that we can improve here, you know, and I, and also sorry ch- so I, for example, I, I'm working with a woman who, um, is, you know, really killing it with meals, like all of her meals are fantastic, but it's the snacking and the evening snacking and things like that. Um, and so if I can, at, you know, 7pm, send her a little, a little, little nudge, as it were, you know, a little yeah. like thing of, um, hey, you know, just don't, hey, just remember, like every bite adds up, you know, maybe send me a photo of what you're what you're snacking on tonight. Um, so it's not feeling like, I'm scolding her, like, you know, are you snacking right now? You better stop it. Like, it's, not, <laughs> it's not this, you know, good cop, bad cop, like, scolding. Yeah. There, there's no morality in it. It's just, hey, hey, friend, you know, where are you at tonight? Where is your headspace? Um, and, and I see if my role is to get a better understanding for where she's at and where she's coming from,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, then that that's much more productive in our work than this is good, this is bad, you were bad, therefore you have to work harder. I I don't know if that makes sense or if that answers your question.
2: It actually is more profound than you may realize because I I try to put my finger on it and a lot of implementation calls them on and you'd be amazed how many coaches I think miss that point of I think they almost are kind of loose side of the force of the trees kind of thing where they think about it much more i'm a clinician, I need to be there's almost this like facade around it almost, and I think there is something you almost need to be looking at it more of communicating like a friend and i've never heard it put that way, but I think that is absolutely it. Yeah, I know we've heard people think communicate just like you would you know through text message or like 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 a tweet versus something that's you know a thousand word message to a client kind of short sweet you know just having those touch points and making it really kind of thoughtful but yeah communicate like a friend and i think that's just an incredibly incredibly profound statement
0: yeah it's a lot better than being a clinical robot which i think is maybe how i would describe um a lot of the well i shouldn't say a lot but a, a decent enough amount of uh, kind of the partners we work with in the early yeah. days when they're transitioning um because everything is you know just been so informational and transactional in the past and this is really a relationship you have to work with through right you have to work on Mm
2: -hmm. ongoing when you're working remotely with someone because you don't have as much face-to-face need i think it's an insecurity i think that's what they revert to because they say hey look i don't have the face-to-face i need to rely on this written word so i need to write a lot and send it to this and i i just think unfortunately you kind of risk turning that person off versus actually influencing and building the connection Sarah, what else are you, so we've
0: talked about Nudge a little bit, which I appreciate. We should do this all the time. Um, What else else are you using in your business other than Nudge that's been especially handy for you?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, to kind of tie in like that idea of, you know, sort of bombarding the client with a bunch of information um, and overwhelming them, I just started these programs called 20 to Tweak, which is based on a membership model that I did about a year ago um, called you know, holiday to get people through the holidays, and it mm-hmm. was just um, one 10-minute check-in call a week. Like we're focusing on one thing. So these 20 to tweaks is just every day we're looking yeah. at one thing to get us towards this larger shift. So right now I'm doing a fall shift 20 to tweak. So like one day is you know have a cup of tea, like okay next day like so these very like micro uh-huh. level um, shifts that add up. So, um, okay. So what else do I use in my program? Um, like from a business standpoint or from a coaching standpoint?
0: Uh, let's go business. So, all right, here's, here's one good example for you. And I I don't actually have any idea what you use for this. So I'm just throwing this (laughs) at the wall. Um, so one of the interesting barriers that we actually run into a lot when businesses, businesses are transitioning is trying to kind of relearn how to collect payments, for example. So what are some of the kind of tools that you use along those lines just to really run the day-to-day and make it all work?
1: Yeah, I use Square. Um, I don't know why I use Square. I started with Square and they just really fit my needs. Um, I've also used Stripe and that's fine, but I, what I, what I like to do is since I work with a membership model, okay, I've got a sliding scale. So I started that at the beginning of COVID just to help you know, meet folks' needs as much as I mm-hmm. can. So within every membership, you also have three different price points um, for options. And so the client will tell me, hey, I wanna do the middle price point on the top tier of membership. And then I just go in square and I create a reoccurring invoice. Um, and that's, you know, and then I don't have to think about it. Like the conversation doesn't need to happen every month of like, you know, can you pay me or like, it's a recurring invoice. Mm-hmm. That's that. And it's, it's such a relief to not have to worry about that. And then since I'm a sole proprietor, the issue of, you know, taxes comes in or whatever. So I found this really cool new, um, not new feature, not a new feature on Square. It's new to me because I had to <laughs> Time to figure this out, um but you can hold your your money in Square and then just like pay. I mean, they have have payroll, which would probably be even better. But I just like to keep the balance there, and then every week I'll give myself like a transfer. Gotcha. Which to every soul, I I cannot say enough as like a sole proprietor. I mean, maybe maybe people are just a lot more savvy with like accounting and taxes and stuff than I was, but save that tax money. Do you yeah. not to pay yourself out of that tax money, save it up. And then you won't have to worry about owing it.
2: I don't think anyone's really good at taxes. Cause yeah. I mean, the, the frequency they change those laws. I think it's just most people just put money away and, and just hope and pray that it's enough.
1: Right. right? And hire an accountant. The other hire, an accountant. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> hire an accountant. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's that's helpful that it's interesting you use square because i've i've used square before for some other things and i've i have been really impressed with the user experience behind it and i think it is a great solution i think a lot of people still associate it with um back in the day when all the food trucks were using it and that's uh, kind of yeah. in their mind it's just hey that's that company with the dongle that the food trucks are using but actually now there's very very robust functionality for different types of businesses including membership management so it's pretty interesting
1: I
0: love it. Well, good. full transparency, I guess. We we use Stripe at Nudge and I will say we like it, but that's also primarily because we have developers at our disposal and can very easily get that plugged into all the different yeah. places we need. Well I think um, yeah, I
2: think Stripe is one of those things where it I feel like the companies that really get the most out of it are ones that can actually build products around it and customize it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that always comes with a big caveat when people ask Mm -hmm. me what we're using internally, I always re-steer the conversation to, well, what kind of billing are you trying to do? What would be kind of easiest? And then we get back to something like a PayPal or or a square. um, And that's where it goes. But I can't tell you how often that question comes across.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that if I had started with Stripe, I'd probably be really into Stripe. I think they have better, (laughs) um, they have membership models. I don't know. They're they're always changing, especially after yeah. pandemic. Now they all have different options. But I, I yeah, I like them both. I think they both um, work well.
2: So so speaking about kind of memberships and in pricing and things like that. Um, question for you is when you are signing up a new client, we're starting to see kind of our, here. I think we're hearing more from different people in our network about this. Do you have clients paying up front for say a multi-month or do you just have them paying monthly?
1: Just monthly. monthly. Um, I do offer packages um, in which I'll have folks pay, maybe pay up front or I'll have, you know, Mm -hmm. offer them like you can pay in three installments or whatever. Um, I offer those for folks that really don't want to commit to a reoccurring payment. That's totally fine. And you know, in, very rare, rare circumstances i 'll get someone whose insurance covers my services, like oh you. interesting, yeah, yeah, some of my california folks that 'll that'll happen, and it's like a unicorn it's like amazing, um and then, so for insurance i don 't bill insurance, but for their purposes in in my experience again, i just it, I'm not an accountant, not an insurance yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, expert, but it's worked better to. Have it be just a finite service that you know, is this number of sessions, whatever. So I do have those. So I have both, which is it can be confusing and not easy to like put on a nice, clean, concise website. Um, but it's it works all right.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Like I said, we we've, we've just started seeing, and I I'm, I guess most businesses do this once your model or once your offering gets more mature use in just for cash flow from a cash flow perspective it makes sense that so you want to you know put yourself in a better cash position so you start you know giving people discount to pay up front I was just curious if you had played with that at all or we seeing any kind of learn any learnings or trends as you've done it
1: yeah with my membership I do offer five percent off if folks commit to six months um, or ten if they commit to a year so gotcha. um, and again like I think it's important for the client too because that you are encouraging them to go in with that expectation of this not happening in one day. Um, And it sets them up for success much better um, to give themselves that expectation of I'm going to give this as much time as it's going to take.
2: Do you tend to find those are better clients that pay you up front?
1: That's a good question. Yes and no. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, but then other times it's the client who, this is a novelty. I'm going to go in with everything I've got. I'm going to sign up for the best package for a year. Like mm-hmm. I'm all about this. I'm everything about health and wellness. And then they kind of lose that momentum. And then you're like really trying to get them back to, I mean, they're never going to be at that kind of high that they were right. at when they signed up for your top tier for a full year, whatever. Um, so that's, Yeah. That can be tricky, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that level of investment and, and someone that wants to, to commit to this is great.
2: Yeah. Well, it's also too, and we've, it's funny, we talked about this last week on the happy hour was the whole idea of lifetime value and just what that does for your business. If you do get more and more people paying you upfront for a longer period of time, just because mm-hmm. it allows you to sink more money into, um, you know, marketing initiatives that you may be running, just puts you in a better cash position. Um, so it's just kind of always curious what people are doing or any learnings they have that they can share on that.
1: Yeah, I, I really like it. Another thing that I've, I've added to my top tier membership, um, is a cash credit. So if, if a member reaches his or her her goals, so something, and this is where the app really comes in handy. So say I've got a client who, okay, our goal for October is going to be taking three 15 minute walks a week. And then they're tracking that. We can see it at the end of October. We're going to look back and make sure that, okay, yeah, she took three 15-minute walks a week. Now she gets 10% credit for her next month of membership.
2: Oh, that is super cool. I have never heard of anyone doing that.
1: It's been cool. It's been a fun little thing. And I think it's helpful for clients to not always be focused on the big goal, but yeah. you know, these little milestones. Aren't have so you little. seen
2: anyone else do that? I've literally never seen another coach do that.
0: <laughs> we learn something every day. Um, well, I guess, you know, we're, we're getting to the end of this session. I mean, we don't want to take up all of your time, although we could certainly just extract all the value we possibly could out of this. Um, do you have any kind of, you know, last words as you transition into this kind of next phase of your remote coaching business? Um, you know, advice for, for coaches out there who are thinking about this, um, and what to do next?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, like the Blueberry Connect, is that, should I tell everybody? Yeah. Is this <laughs> brand
2: unveiling? Yeah, done, done, done. Um, well,
1: yeah, I, I'm, I'm going full, full remote. I mean, I've been fully remote for quite a while here, because I just, obviously, because of the pandemic, but, um, hosting retreats and you know just needing that option so i'm i'm standing behind it i love being fully remote and i encourage others to to try it um, to not feel concerned that it has to be all or nothing there's different tiers of working remotely Um, and so i've come out with blueberry connect which is a a program that's going to help other coaches other practitioners of all sorts Um, transition into a remote model or version of a remote model. So maybe you want to still meet folks face-to-face for that initial consultation. That's great. Um, You can always go remote with them in follow-up sessions. So anyway, just so I can help others um, kind of unharness or harness and unlock the, uh, the beauty behind remote coaching and all it has to offer. So I, I, I am so up.
2: excited about this because I cannot say enough. We, Phil and I are in conversations all day long with with coaches. And I think what we see is a lot of people do need some handholding. And I think the fact that there are you know, people like you who are out there that can help provide that framework and provide that structure is just so awesome. And I think it's going to help move the industry forward. So you know, I learned something new every time I talk to you. So it's, it's one of those things. I think also people are excited that they don't just have to listen to Phil and I on this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no, I mean, I can't, can't say enough excited that you're launching this and excited to, you know, really shout it from the rooftop. Cause I think it's needed for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Listen, it's,
0: it's honestly inspirational for us when we've been working with someone for so long, you've been running a bundle We've been watching it and watching it grow. And it's just really, really exciting for us to see something like this come about. Um, it helps us, you know, um, and it's kind of a, a success story for people to follow. So just thrilled to have people go check it out. So it was blueberryconnect.com, right? It's
1: at blueberryconnect.com.
0: Cool. All right, Sarah. Well, we appreciate it so much. We're definitely going to have you on back, back on and, and do this again soon. But um, until then, best of luck with everything. And thanks again.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I can't, I can't believe it's already over. This flew by. It was fun. <laughs>